for smiling. At the end of service, I would love it if each of you would come up and introduce yourself uh, to both Russ and Joellen. God, thank you so much for uh, bringing Joellen and Russ into the family of Good News Church. God, I pray that you would continue to put community around them and point them closer to you. And God, I pray for Smiley as he gets ready uh, to preach today. I pray that he would be able to preach uh, the, the message that you have put on his heart today. And I pray for everybody here in the auditorium that we would have our hearts pierced by your word and by the message that you have put on Smiley's heart. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We've been walking through the book of 2 Peter, and we will finish that next week. But today we're going to take a break from 2 Peter, and we're going to read from Hebrews chapter 2. And the reason is on Friday, our, our, our Christmas Eve service is really a chair one event. It's really about winning lost people. That's what we're praying is going to happen. So we wanted to give you as, as believers a, a Christmas message meant to really build you up and equip you, and that's why we're doing Hebrews 2 this week. Hebrews 2, and I'm going to read verses 14 through 18. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. For assuredly, he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. So a pastor and a lawyer died on the same day, and they arrived at the pearly gates together and met St. Peter. And um, St. Peter gave the pastor a, a key to a nice, modest cottage on a lake. And he was pretty happy with that until the lawyer came after him and he gave him a key to this huge mansion on the lake. He had a swimming pool, a 16-car garage, and the pastor said, What's with that? I'm a pastor. I gave my life to preaching the gospel. And, and St. Peter said, Well, he said, Pastors in heaven are a dime a dozen. But it's been a while since we had a lawyer show up. <laughs> and, and I can say that because I have two brothers and a sister-in-law who are attorneys. Not only that, but I have a son and a daughter-in-law, or I have a daughter and a son-in-law who are attorneys, as well as a son who works for a law firm, okay? So this morning's message is called Fearless, Fearless. And what we're going to look at in the message today, what we're going to unpack is that Jesus frees us from the fear of death that Jesus frees us from the fear of death. When you see the word death, I want you to know there are two cliffs that uh, we can fall off on when it comes to death. And there's always two cliffs, right? One cliff is to deny that we're going to die. And we live in a death-denying culture. Many years ago, a pastor I like was flying from Los Angeles to Miami. <clears throat> and as they're flying across the country, uh, someone dies on the plane over Texas. They died on the plane, so they had to land in Texas, and you can imagine being on the plane. They wheel the dead body out of the plane, 
And then they closed the doors again and they took off and it was rather a somber mood on the plane, you can imagine. So the pastor went up and said to a flight attendant, listen, uh, I'm a pastor and if there's any way I can help on the flight to Miami, I'd be glad to help. And you know what she said? We won't need your help. We've decided to give free alcohol to everyone. <laughs> Isn't that how our culture deals with death? They drink to forget, right? But as Christians, we drink what to, to remember. You know how I know we live in a death-denying culture? No one uses the word death almost. They use the word they passed away. Now, I want you to know my wife has been daring me to do this for a long time. And so I'm tired of it, so, so I'm going to do it. How would you respond if I said, Jesus passed away on the cross for our sins? You'd say, what? No, no, he what? He died on the cross for our sins. So in our culture, when we want to minimize death, because the word death is it's morbid and we don't want to talk about it, so we use the word, our aunt passed away. Okay, so one cliff we want to avoid is denying we're going to die. Now listen, the opposite cliff is that people are terrified by death. And what I find really interesting is during COVID, every day we get to read how many people, what? Died, right? It doesn't say how many people, what? Passed away. It says how many people died, which makes you think, what? That someone wants to fill people with, with fear, right? And so there are many, many people today, and they're terrified because now they're aware they're going to die, and every day they hear about people who are dying. Listen, the gospel always provides a third way. The gospel provides a way to live between denying and being terrified with death. The gospel teaches the bad news is we're going to die. So maybe nobody's been honest with you, but I want to be honest. None of us is getting out of this alive, okay? But the gospel also says there's a cure for death. There is a vaccine for death. His name is Jesus He's 100% effective. There's no side effects. It's free, and you never need another booster, right? <laughs> Isn't it true? <clears throat> and there are people every day in every way telling you to get the vaccine. And I'm going to tell you, get Jesus. Get Jesus. Get Jesus. Because when you get Jesus then you're prepared to die. And when you're prepared to die, then you're able to enjoy living. And you're able to live fearlessly, to live fearful, fearlessly in a fear-filled culture. And that's what I long for you. What an opportunity we have as Christians to live fearlessly in a culture filled with fear and point people to Jesus, okay? So that's what this passage is about. Back to verse 14. Oh, no, no, two questions I want us to explore. Two questions I want to explore. The first question I want to explore is, why do we fear death? You ever wonder why do we fear death? Uh, I want to explore that. And then, and then how, how does Jesus free us from the fear of death? So why do we fear death? Some people say it's natural, but the reason we fear death is it's unnatural. Listen, the reason we fear death is it's unnatural. People weren't meant to die. 
Parents weren't meant to lose their children. Children weren't meant to lose their parents. That's why we fear death, because it's unnatural. Let me show you in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. He has made everything appropriate in his time. He has also set eternity in their hearts. In our heart of hearts, we want to live. We want to live forever because that's what God made us to do. And so we fear death because death is unnatural. We know it inside of us. That's why we weep at funerals. It's unnatural. Secondly, we fear death because of sin. The devil tempts us, and then we sin, and then he whispers, do you really think it's going to go well for you on the judgment day? Listen, when you've done what you've done, and so we fear death because of sin and the idea of being exposed before God with our sin. We fear death because of the unknown. We've never died before, right? So we don't know what it's going to be like. And so we fear because it's unknown. And you know why else we fear death? Because of the pain associated with death. R.C. Sproul, a pastor, said he doesn't fear death, but he fears dying. Right? I mean, getting old. You know, every morning I look in the mirror. He's old. He's ugly. Who wants to look forward to that, right? The, the fear of getting old and losing our minds and our bodies wearing out. And so we fear. We fear what? We fear death because it's unnatural. We fear because of sin and the idea of judgment. We fear because it's unknown. We've never been there before. And we fear just all the pain and all associated with getting old, right, and dying. So how then does Jesus free us? How does Jesus free us from the fear of dying? That's what Hebrews 2 is about. Therefore, since the children, that's us, share in flesh and blood, since we're human and have flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same. So Jesus put on flesh. He had flesh. He had blood. Listen, God the Son became a man just like us. Why? That through death, he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Jesus was born to die. He was born to die in our place. And to understand that, we have to understand the bad news of the gospel. The bad news of the gospel, three words, sin, death, and the devil. We need to understand. If we're going to understand Christmas, if we're going to understand why God became a man, we need to understand sin and death and the devil. Listen, the devil tempted our first parents to sin, right? And, and when they sinned, what? Death entered into the world and spread to all people and wrecked all of creation, right? And like our first parents, when the devil tempts us, we all sin too, right? I mean, have you ever disobeyed your parents? Like ever? Ever told a lie? Ever stolen anything? Listen, we've all sinned against God, right? Over and over again, and we're in big trouble. Matter of fact, in Romans 6, 23... Notice what the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, that the penalty for our sin is death. And see the word death? It's not simply speaking of physical death. Physical death is when our bodies wear out and our bodies and spirits are separated, but it's speaking of eternal death. That's what hell is, the separation of our body and spirit from God and from all good things forever. Hell is the separation from God and from all good things uh, forever. Listen, the devil 
tempts us. He tempts us. And when we sin, he reminds us we're going to die and that it's not going to go well for us on the judgment day. So we're filled with fear. But I want you to understand that no one goes to hell because of the devil. No one does. People go to hell because we sin against God. We sin against God, and that's why we go to hell. So what does the devil do? The devil fights like hell to keep us sinning and then to keep us from the one who forgives our sins. What does the devil do? He fights like hell to keep us sinning and to keep us from the one who forgives us of sin. So once we understand the bad news, sin, death, and the devil, then we're ready for the good news. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same. God the Son put on human flesh, that through death, his death, he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Jesus came not only, not only to set us free from death, but to set us free from the fear of death so that we could enjoy living and live fearlessly. Um, for assuredly, he does not give help to angels. I mean, when the angels sinned, that was it. But he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. Jesus came to die for us. Remember what God told Abraham? He said, what, in your descendant, what? All the nations of the earth will be blessed. That descendant is Jesus who came to bring salvation to all people. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things. This is the second time it talks about how God the Son put on flesh and came to earth. This is called the incarnation. This is Christmas. Now listen, Christmas is not when God the Son came into being because God the Son is eternal. He's always existed. What happened on Christmas was that God the Son put on human form and became Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man in one person. Uh, we see that in Colossians chapter 2. Look at this verse. For in him, all the fullness of deity, Jesus didn't stop being God, dwells in bodily form. He was fully God and fully man in one person. And you know what's interesting? We live in a culture that, that affirms that Jesus was fully man but denies that he's God. But you know what often happens in the church? What often happens in the church is people affirm the deity of Christ, but they deny that he was fully man. I mean, do you ever, you ever think about that, what Christmas is about? We've tried a couple of times to have a, a tech-free staff meeting. But it's extremely hard to pry the phones out of people today. You, you know, when you try and have it, they sneak them in like in their underwear or something else because they say, but what if, what if someone wants to call? What if a family person needs to get in touch with me? What if? Do you ever think that Jesus ran the universe and he had to let go of that cell phone? Not for... Uh, an hour, but for years and years and years. The one who ran everything laid that aside. Does that stagger you? Uh, but what if he laid that aside and became like us? Do you know the one who created everything lived in a womb for nine months? Anybody else in here impatient? I mean, you're behind someone at the stoplight, the traffic light that turns green, and they don't go, 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 go. What do you do? 
in nine months in a womb, right? Uh, the one who created everything uh, was wet himself and was cleaned up by his mother, and he learned to walk and talk. <laughs> Do you know sometimes people say, really, Smiley? Really? You need, I need to wait until I get married to have sex? Did, did you know that Jesus spent 33 years for you? Did you know that? He loved you so much that every choice he made for 33 years was for you. What? A few years? You think that's too much? What? Do you ever just blown away that he would invest 33 years in us knowing at the end, knowing at the end was the cross? Wow. Because of our sin and death and the devil, therefore he had to be made like his brother. He became like one of us in all things. Why? So that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. Do you know what the high priest did? The high priest would offer sacrifices on behalf of the people. They would take animals. You ever read the Old Testament? It's pretty bloody, right? They would take an animal and then they would kill the animal. And you know what the purpose of all those sacrifices was? To teach people we have a problem called sin. We're all sinners, right? The purpose was to teach what? That the penalty for sin is death. And the reason they repeated them over and over again is because the blood of animals, the death of animals could never take away our sin. What we needed was a person who was perfect, who could die in our place. That's why God became a man. As a man, as a man, he could become our substitute. As God, his death would be of infinite value. And that's why when John the Baptist saw Jesus, when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he was so thrilled. In John 1, 29, look at this verse. It's so good. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Here's the Lamb that God provided. He's fully man. He can die in our place. He's fully God. His death would be of infinite value. Here's the Lamb of God who would do something about our sin problem and death problem and die for our sins once and for all um, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people to appease the wrath of God for the sins of people because that's what propitiation means to appease the wrath of God and I know some of you say, well, wait a minute, Smiley. Uh, I thought God is love. Well, well, God is love, but God is just. And, and you say, well, well, what's wrath? You know what wrath is? I know a lot of moms, and the moms I know, they're really sweet and loving until what? Until what? Someone messes with their kid, right? And if you mess with a mother's kid, what? The claws come out, and what do you experience? You experience what? Wrath, don't you? You see a total, you say, don't mess with my kids, right? A mom would do anything for her kids, right? So, we have a God who's loving, but we have a God who's holy and just. And when we rebel against God and say, God, we will not do life your way, we are exposed to the wrath of God. And you know what Jesus said? I'll take the wrath of God for you and you and you. He took what we deserve. So on the cross, what happened is God the Father put our sins on Jesus and he experienced the wrath of God in our place. Do you want to know what the God of the Bible is like? Look at the cross because God declares two things to us, that God is just and every sin ever committed will be punished and God declares that he is loved, that Christ would absorb the wrath of God for us. Hmm. 
you want to understand sin, you want to understand sin, then look at the cross. Because two things we see on the cross. One is that our sin is way worse than we ever imagined. That's what we deserve, what Christ experienced. But we also see what? That God's love is so much more amazing than we ever imagined. Oh man, a verse that changed my life was Romans 5, 8. Look at this verse. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, while we were living in rebellion against God, Christ died for us. Do you know what so many people were like in my life? Smiley, you know, if you're good, I'll love you. If you do good, then, then I'll be nice to you. But here's someone. When I was living in rebellion against God, came to earth, invested 33 years, climbed on the cross, took my sins, and died in my place. He experienced the wrath of God so I would never have to. And he did that for me, and he did that for you. And you know what happened on the third day? He rose on the third day, proving he had conquered sin and death. He became a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. He rose proving he had conquered sin and death and the devil. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he's able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Listen, Jesus offers eternal life to everyone who admits they need a Savior. Have you? Back to Romans 6.23, I want you to understand something, that people are forever. All of us are forever. Uh, we have a choice. We can get our wages, what we deserve, or we can get a free gift, what we don't deserve. Now notice, it says, for the wages of sin is death. We can exist forever apart from God and from all good things. That's what hell is, and some people will be there. Or, or we can do all, life and all of eternity with Jesus and with all good things by receiving a free gift. Won't you get Jesus? Won't you choose free gift? Won't you choose eternal life? And you say, how do we get that? How do we get that? Didn't Jesus tell us when he said, for God, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son? Listen, I sent my son to die in your place because I love you that much. That whoever believes in him, whoever admits, whoever admits that they're a sinner, whoever believes that Christ died and rose for them, whoever commits to Christ as Savior and Lord, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus says the way we have eternal life is that we admit we're sinners. <laughs> will you admit that? I mean, I am. Uh, that we believe, Jesus, I believe you died and rose for me. I believe that. And then we commit, we trust Jesus. I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life, won't you? I want you to be the Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Well, if you've never done that, won't you admit and believe and commit? Do that now or I'll be glad to give you a chance as we close in prayer, okay? But listen, when Jesus moves in, his intention is not only to free us from death, but to free us from the fear of death, to free us from the fear of death so that we could enjoy every day of life that we have and so that we could live fearlessly. So how? How does Jesus free us from the fear of death? He gives us eternal life. We know we're meant to live forever, and with Jesus, we know we're going to live forever. That's how he frees us. How does he free us? He washes our sins away. I don't know about you, but I sin a lot, and uh, the devil loves to remind me. But you know what I love to respond to the devil? It's true that I'm a sinner, but you know what, devil? I have a great Savior. 
And you know what promise he made to me? A promise he made to me. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you know that my sins really are a big deal? They really are. But you know what? Christ paid a really big deal price and I'm forgiven. Hallelujah, right? Isn't that, I don't have to fear the judgment day because how much condemnation do I face? How much? You guys there, how much? None. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Um, so he gives us eternal life. He forgives our sins. You know what's neat? He goes first. We, we, those of us who are afraid of the unknown, Jesus says, follow me. I'll show you what it'll be like. Look at verse 18. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he's able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Once we become a Christian, Jesus says, follow me. He's our model for life. He's our model for ministry. He's our model for death. Jesus says, you want to know what it's to be like? Follow me. And you know what happens when we look at how Jesus died? First thing, he didn't die before he died. You ever notice that? You, never, you ever notice how many people die long before they die? But Jesus didn't die before he died, even on the cross. What? He's loving others. Mary, don't worry. Mom, don't worry. John, take care of mom, right? He's loving others, right? Are we? You know what he's doing on the cross? He's still winning people to faith in Christ, isn't he? He turns to the one thief, even on the cross, and says, what? Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Will we be like that? Will we follow Jesus' approach to death and not die before we die? What did he tell the thief? He said, what? Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus knew. He knew the moment he died, he was going to be in paradise, and he was assuring others of the same. That's where we're headed, to paradise, to be with Jesus. What did, what did he say at the end? He said, what? Into your hands I commit my spirit. He said, Father, I'm ready to come home, and he went to be with his father, right? And then what happened? A few days later, what? He, he walked out of the grave, and we will too. You want to know what's in store for us? Just like Jesus that when we die, we're going to be with him in paradise, and one day soon our bodies are going to be raised up, and we're going to be like him whole forever. Well, what about the pain? What about the pain and the whole idea of getting old? We will never suffer more in death than Jesus did. Isn't that what verse 18 is saying? For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he's able to come to the aid of those who were tempted. As we deal with pain, as we deal with getting old and Listen, we can come to Jesus, and, and he understands, and he can help us. He can help us. Matter of fact, uh, let me show you a promise that we have from him in Romans chapter 8. Many people believe Romans 8 is the greatest chapter in the Bible. They say it's a great sandwich. The first verse we've already looked at is there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, and the bottom piece of the sandwich is nothing or no one will separate us from the love of Christ, and in between there's lots of good stuff. So we've looked at the first verse. Let's look in Romans 8, the the bottom part of the sandwich. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Uh, here's the bad news. You know what? There's going to be difficult days on the way home, okay? Uh, there, there's going to be days of tribulation and distress and persecution and famine and nakedness or peril or sword. But listen, all these things, we need to realize that, that our friend is still with us. He's not neglected us. Continuing on, we read, Justice, it is written for your sake. As Christians, we're being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. We will suffer for our faith in the days ahead. But here's the promise. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. <laughs> all I know is 
as we're headed toward death, as we're headed toward Jesus coming out, we're going to overwhelmingly conquer. How? Through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. How does Jesus free us from the fear of death? First, he gives us eternal life. He washes all of our sins away. He goes first and shows us what it's going to be like. And then he promises us that nothing, no matter how difficult it is, will ever separate us from his love. So Jesus frees us from the fear of death. And that leads us to our action step this week, which is uh, to, to live fearlessly. That if we have eternal life, then let's learn how to live fearlessly. And you say, well, how, how do we do that? Well, well, let me show you in Philippians chapter 1, um, verse 21, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. The apostle Paul says, when Jesus is our treasure, when Jesus is our treasure, we can't lose. Because to live is to make much of our treasure to others, and to die is to go and be with our treasure, okay? Now, I know I've used this before, but I want you to know that I am so old that I remember surfing without a leash. And when I was a kid surfing in St. Augustine, I surfed fearfully. I surfed fearfully because if we surfed at the pier at high tide and we lost our board, we had no leash and our boards would be smashed on the rocks. So we surfed fearfully. I, I don't want to lose my board. And when the waves were big and we would paddle a couple hundred yards outside, we didn't want to try anything and lose our board because we'd have to swim for 200 yards in and we didn't want to swim. And you know what we dreamed about? We dreamed about a leash. Wouldn't it be great if you were attached to your board and you couldn't lose it? And then one day in my life, magic happened. You know what happened? Someone gave me a leash, and what I always dreamed of became true. One, and for those of you who don't serve, I put around my ankle, and the other, the other I put around my board. And from that moment on, I was able to serve fearlessly. I could surf at the pier at high tide because my board wasn't going to hit the rocks. I could paddle way out and not be afraid because I was attached. It would always be there with me. There was a day in my life where I tied a leash around my ankle and the other around Jesus and everything began to change. What if we lived as though we were leashed to Jesus? Isn't that what he's talking about here? Isn't he saying we can't lose? Listen, for to me, to live is Christ. If we live, if we live, it's about making much of Jesus. And to die, we go to be with him. Either way, we win. <clears throat> but if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And I do not know which to choose. Listen, but I am hard-pressed from both directions. There's part of me having the desire to, to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Now, I want you to know, Paul had seen heaven. He'd been caught up into heaven. He says, listen, what's coming is better. It's not just better, it's 
Come on, what? Much better. And it's not just much better, it's what? It's very much better. Yet, notice what he says, yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. I want you to get this. Paul says, if I stay, it's about fruitful labor. If I stay, it's for others. If I get to do what I want, then I get to go home and be with Jesus. Paul didn't say, there's places I want to travel to and things I do, want to do before I die. Paul said, no, if I stay, it's because there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people who don't yet know Christ. And Jesus leaves us here for them if you're a Christian, I want you to know we are here for them. Our eternity is secure, and Jesus has left us here to live fearless lives and share the gospel so that others are one to faith in Christ. That's why we're here. Why does Jesus let us be in a church where we drive each other crazy? Why does Jesus have us in a culture that breaks our hearts? You know why we're here? We're here for others. We're here for fruitful laborers. We're here to win people to Christ and make disciples who can make disciples because there's 200,000 people in our own county who don't yet know Jesus, and we are here for them. Um, so every morning when I get up, get up, I preach the gospel to myself because no one is a bigger chicken than I am, and I have to prove preach the gospel to myself first. So every morning when I have breakfast with Jesus, I pray every morning for to me to live as Christ and to die as King. To, to live as Christ, and every day I reattach my leash to Jesus, and I say, I'm so thankful to be a Christian. Because if I die, I get to go and be with you. And if I live, it's because you have people you want me to influence for you. Lord, I win every, every, either way. Wouldn't your life be different if you did that every day? Every day I think, this could be the day the doctor tells me it's your last. This could be the day that a car comes into my life. You say, Smiley, that's so morbid. No, it isn't. When you live with that understanding, you appreciate every day that Jesus gives you, and we realize we're here for others. So I would encourage you, when you get out, preach the gospel to yourself, okay? Listen, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ and to die is gain. And once we preach the gospel to ourselves, then we can preach it to others. We can preach it to others by word and deed. And you say, well, how can we preach the gospel to others indeed? Well, you could smile. Come on. Remember what Charles Spurgeon said? This is so good. Spurgeon said that when you talk about heaven, your face should show it. You should smile. And be joyful. And then he said, and when you talk about hell, your everyday face will do. <laughs> what if in our community there were two people, one had a leash and one didn't? Couldn't people tell? There was one group of people who knew they couldn't lose. The others were terrified. Wouldn't we be different? What if we smiled? What if we were joyful? What if we lived as though we couldn't lose? <laughs> so, <clears throat> how are you? How are you? Man, I am so thankful. Well, why are you thankful? I know Jesus. And you know what we learned about in church on Sunday? That Jesus frees us from the fear of death. That I'm going to live forever. Wouldn't you like to live forever? You can. Uh, I think this week sometime, you know, we'll have a conversation with something, somebody about uh, vaccines, when the subject comes up this week, why don't you just say, you know, we learned about a vaccine in church on Sunday. Really? Yeah. 
We learned about a vaccine for death. Oh, no, there's no such thing as a vaccine for death. Oh, there is, there is. And listen, it's 100% effective. There's, there's, there, there's no side effects, no booster needed. It's 100% those who get this vaccine can live forever. Well, finally, how do you know that? Because one day a dead man got up and walked out of the tomb. He said we could too. You can do it, right? You know, for God so loved the world, why? That he gave his only begotten son. That's the cure, right? That whoever believes in him, what? Should not perish, but have eternal life. Um, we all have another opportunity this week, too, to proclaim the gospel. Uh, and that, that's Friday night. That's Friday night. I, I don't know about you, but I, I look around our country and my, my heart's broken. Isn't yours? Um, but you know what I'm praying for? I'm praying for revival in the church. That's our greatest hope. You know what I'm praying for? A spiritual awakening in our land. And you know, there are thousands of people in our community who are looking for a place to celebrate his birth. Won't we invite them? Won't we pray? Won't you start praying now for Friday, won't you? You can go online too and register. We have a 48-hour prayer um, uh, list going right up to Easter. And won't you take in invitations? And, and won't you invite? And won't you pray that when Friday night comes, the gospel is shared and people are one to Christ? You know what I can look at? It's going to be so good. Uh, we're gonna, the message is called, Do Not Be Afraid, because that's what the Bible says. And we're going to learn that Jesus came to save his people from our sins. We're going to learn that, that, listen, what's wrong with our country? Sin. And we're going to learn what the solution is. It's Jesus, wouldn't you like for people to know what the problem is and what the solution is? What a chance we have to work together, right, for Friday? Will you pray? Will you invite? Oh, our assignment this week is to live fearlessly, to live fearlessly. Let's remember, man, we've tied. We've tied our leash to Jesus. We can't lose. We can't lose. We win either way, right? To live is Christ and to die is gain. So let's preach the gospel to ourselves over and over and over again. And once we're convinced, then let's go out this week and, and preach the gospel to others that Jesus frees us he frees us from the fear of death. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for laying aside your glory and your power and, and becoming like us, putting on flesh and blood, being in the womb in 33 years, and then thank you for going to the cross and experiencing the wrath of God in our place. Thank you, and thank you for not staying dead, but rising and offering us eternal life. Listen, if, if you've never uh, prepared to die, won't you prepare now? I mean, Jesus is here. Wouldn't you rather spend eternity with him than apart from him? Won't you tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and and be my Savior, and forgive me, and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Uh, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark it on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. Tell someone. When you tell someone, Jesus will be more real to you. And Lord, I pray for those of us who have believed in you that, that we would preach the gospel to ourselves this week over and over again, that Listen, that you've come to set us free from the fear of death. And Lord, as we preach it to ourselves, may our faces reflect that. As we go out this week, may we live fearlessly this week, and may we share you with others. 
And Lord, we're praying for Friday. May we invite and may you draw people. And as the gospel is preached, may you send your Holy Spirit to open blind eyes and raise people from the dead and soften, soften hard hearts. And may many be one to you. May there be much rejoicing, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.